ESPN LA 710. Welcome to the experience here on ESPN LA 710. I'm LaFern Cusack. Thank you so much for joining me. To download more podcasts, uh, please log on to ESPNLA.com or check me out on Twitter at LaFern Cusack. Today, we are talking martial arts. We are talking karate with Eric Bryant. He is a martial arts expert, black belt in Everything, Eric. Everything. Everything. We'll use everything. Every, everything in a loosely based <laughs> term. A few different things. Karate, jujitsu, Filipino martial arts, uh, Jeet Kune Do, a lot, of, a lot of martial arts background. But what's been interesting for me is to be able to work with kids that are three to five years old. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. <laughs> so. And that's how I met you because you trained my son. Yes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. Tell me about how you got into martial arts and training? Well, originally I was a competitive gymnast. Um, I started as a gymnast for many years as a kid doing that. And uh, when I was in my teenage years, it didn't seem like so much fun anymore. But I still, gymnastics was always my first love. So in college, I got introduced to judo and hapkido, which is another style of karate by a friend of mine in college. And when I started doing that, I dabbled around with it a little bit with him. It made my body feel a lot like gymnastics did. Mm. So I just fell in love with it. And then it's been my passion for the past 20 plus years now. So did doing gymnastics, did that make it easier for you? To, Absolutely. I think in what way? Uh, honestly, I think I think for all kids across the board, I think gymnastics is the best base for them to work with because they get strength, they get flexibility, they get body control, they get moving their body in odd ways. And uh, again, for kids, kids in general, it's going to be something that'll transfer over to every kind of athletics that they mm-hmm. do later on in life. And it, it, it proved that way for me. I did football and wrestling and all that stuff all through high school. And what didn't you do, Eric? Ice skating. <laughs> no. I'm not a good ice skater. Your I'll tell you that. Your grandmother loves ice skating. Right? <laughs> yeah, we mom? talked about yeah. that earlier. My grandmother was an <laughs> ice skating fanatic and she was one of the ones who, who felt like she actually knew all of the figure skaters yes. by first names. <laughs> yes. So it was an interesting Sunday watching figure skating with my grandmother. Oh, yeah. That is, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't imagine doing that. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you took up all these different martial arts. Is there a specific one that you feel more comfortable with? Well, the past, uh, about the past 10, 12 years, I've been doing a lot more Filipino martial arts, which is weapons based, um, stick and knife. It's what we work with the military with and some things like that. Now with the kids, obviously I'm not doing weapons training with them really. It's more, <laughs> no? <laughs> no, it's usually a bad idea to have kids <laughs> swinging sticks around and knives, but we do use pool noodles and do some fun stuff oh, with that to build yeah. hand eye coordination and Can all that. Can you say that again about it's a bad idea it's, so my husband can hear? It's usually a bad <laughs> idea to have them play with sticks and kitchen knives <laughs> at five years old. I'm just going to say it. Okay. It's been said on ESPN Radio. That is the gospel. <laughs> that is. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But um, more more the Filipino martial arts for the past 10 years. I've also I had a really heavy karate base that I've done for a long time. I've got black belts in multiple styles. But with the kids being the age group from three to five that I normally work with, it's a blend of several different arts. We've taken kind of the best pieces out of them. They all will learn basic punch blocks and kicks. And we really try to build it in a really fun way, which is the other thing that makes what we do a little bit different is that um, I've been to a lot of places and seen a lot of guys teach martial arts. And you go in and sometimes the kids are terrified. It looks like yeah. the 
kids deer in the headlights. Mm -hmm. They're scared to death to make a sound, to make a move because the instructor's so intimidating. And, you know, I, I found that uh, we've taken the exact opposite approach. I mean, you've seen some of the stuff that I do. I keep the kids laughing. Yes. They think it's hilarious. So it's almost <laughs> like a stand-up comedy routine <laughs> with physical movement involved. But what I found, especially with this particular age, is that you can get them to do so many more things. If they're laughing and engaged and having fun, man, they will do anything that you want them to do. When they're scared and frozen up and all that kind of stuff, that's usually a bad route to go, I think, at this age. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. But, when I saw that you were offering this class at uh, my son's school, I was like, okay, this is great. Because my, my nephew, uh, I told you off air that my, my brother does Krav Maga. Mm -hmm. And he has his own gym. And my nephew was being bullied in like the first or second grade. And then they had him start, you know, taking karate. 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 <laughs> karate. <laughs> and to develop his self-esteem. The bullying aspect, I think that comes on, I mean, you're going to get that across the board, regardless of the age groups. So you see that all over the place. One of the things that I really try to focus on is building a child's confidence, especially using their voice exactly. and letting people know, you know, especially other kids, letting kids know that they don't like specific things and using their voice instead of using physical motions. That's mm -hmm. one of the things I always say. We don't use our hands and our feet to solve our problems. We use our words. And if our words don't work, then we can walk away. And if we can't walk away and we still can't use our words, guess what? Who's in charge your teacher go tell the teacher they'll take care of it for you so you know we try to go that route but again it's it's more about building verbal skills and again, the kids that I have are pretty young. But if you build a base where a child is not scared to use their voice and where they can they can actually articulate what they want and what they don't want, mm -hmm. then it kind of I, it sounds odd, but it kind of puts a bubble around them where kids kind of leave them alone yeah. and they really don't have to deal with as much of that stuff. We try to be as preventative as possible. Right. But it, it builds. I, I, I think that they walk a different way. Absolutely. With confidence and, Absolutely. You know, that's why people are like, okay, don't mess with David because <laughs> <laughs> you can go ahead and tell me he was your favorite, right? He's like number he, one. He, in the class. he was, you know, I have never had a student like that before, ever. <laughs> it was amazing. Her kid is really awesome. I, I will say that he is very well behaved. Thank you so much. Please make more like that. Um, or not. I don't know. I've heard they're very expensive. I don't know. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially in L.A. Right. Yeah. Right. A lot of stuff. I've never seen kindergartens that cost $25,000 a year before. Oh, isn't that it's outrageous? It blows my mind. It really blows my mind. I know. When we were doing research to get them in school, oh, I was like, goodness. $60,000 for kindergarten? Yes. Are you I'm r really, how many colors and shapes can you do for sixty grand? I mean, that is amazing to me. I don't, I don't understand oh, that. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. It's it's kind of mind blowing to be yeah. quite honest. But so so you came here from Tennessee, and I did, and you did a lot of training with the military and. Yeah, I have. Um, I've, I was very fortunate when I was in college. My first roommate in college was in the reserves then, and he has worked his way up, and he is now a lieutenant colonel and what? is stationed in Africa right oh, now. Oh, wow. One of my best friends for, for many, many years. I would say his name, but he's an intel guy, oh. so I'm going to leave that part out. Okay, but he's yeah. he actually has helped facilitate me coming in and working with some of his units. And what I did was a lot of weapons-based training with them, and it's great, but it's, <laughs> it's very odd going from the kids <laughs> – Crisscross applesauce. Don't put your finger in those. Do not put that in your mouth. To hearing a guy go, how do I stab this guy in the neck again and cut this so he'll bleed out faster? You know, it's a little bit different. Yes. It's quite a bit different. So with their training, with the military training, how um, can, can you explain like the difference in technique 
or how you well, train them? You know, oddly, being a kid's teacher really helped me a lot when I did work with doing military stuff. Because a lot of stuff that I would do would be two and three day crash courses that we'd give the guys. Mm-hmm. So they'd have a certain block of hours of training and that kind of stuff. And uh, honestly, you know, I always had lesson plans put together for the kids and that kind of stuff. And that's what I, that across the board, that's what I would always hear. The guys would come in and be like, man, you're the most organized teacher I've ever seen. I'm wow. like, that's because I deal with preschool kids all the time. <laughs> and they're like, really? That's your regular job? Yep. I deal with preschool kids yes. all the time. Uh-huh. But it made me a lot more efficient with the way that I could do it. And that was one of the things that, that, uh, that some of the reviews that I got from the military guys, that's one of the things they liked the most. Well, uh, they all say, they, you know, they, they all say they all them, say. uh, that, it, it, the best way to communicate is to commu- communicate like you're talking to a five-year-old. Oh, you know? well, then I, I'm ex- I'm definitely an expert then. <laughs> Absolute expert. <laughs> and a big shout out too to all the military guys out there. Yes. You know, I feel I've, I honestly like because I have so many friends that are in the military. It's you know, it is a it is a sometimes a very thankless job, and they don't mm-hmm. get the, the credit they deserve. But I know guys that work their butts off, yes. and they are they are really out there doing amazing things. And I felt like it was an honor to go in and, and try to help keep them as safe as possible. Absolutely. And then you get to go back and work with little kids the next day. Uh, you know? I know. I know. My uh, uh, grandfather was a Buffalo soldier. Really? And my wow. um, father helped get the Buffalo soldier stamp um, into. That is, you know what, that is hilarious because it's amazing that sometimes subjects will pop up. I'm reading Dwight D. Eisenhower's biography right now, and they talked about the Buffalo Shoulders now in it three or four different times. Oh, and wow. I've read that in the past week, and you just brought that up again. <laughs> There's no yeah. coincidence. I'm right telling you, it's Twilight Zone time. It's very interesting. Yeah, so I was totally raised in military. I was in Colorado Springs, in Leavenworth, oh, Kansas. Wow. So total like military from you know top to bottom. And wow. Like, and I have so much respect for what they do. And Well, and you also see, too, in the way that we teach our program, we say this all the time. It, it, the, the martial arts part is really just a vehicle to work with the kids and teach really practical skills that are kind of dying out in this day and age. You know, I say this all the time. Chivalry isn't dead. It just is not being taught anymore. So you see kids and listen and big props to your, to your husband because I saw him open the door and I was like, Hey, that's a good guy right no, there. Eric, get this. The uh, last week, um, me and Davey, we were going down to the garage and Davey goes, Mom, let me get the door for you. That is awesome. And I was like, Why, thank you, David. <laughs> and he said, Master Bryant said that we have to be nice. This is, yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, I, I say this to the, at the end of class, almost every class that we do. I said, boys, we have to learn how to be gentlemen in this day and age. Oh, yeah, that's Especially what he said. Especially in Los Angeles. That's, that's exactly what he said. You he know? Says, uh, Master Bryant said that we have to be gentlemen. Yeah, and we I have to like, be gentlemen. You know, and there's three things that I really try to get them. Ladies first. We always open the door for girls. We always pull out a girl's chair she sits when she sits down. And if a lady's sitting at our table and she stands up, then we stand up too. Wow. You, and it's and this is a true story. About three months ago, I had a teacher come to me and she said, you know what happened? I stood up out of the table at, at one of our classes and two of my little boys stood up too. Oh. And she said, you need to sit down. They said, well, Master Bryant said when a lady stands up, we have to stand up too. <laughs> And I was like, yes. Oh my God. And she goes, she goes, normally you don't want the chaos of kids standing up and all that kind of stuff. She goes, but I was so touched by it that I was like, wow, it's amazing that these kids actually remembered that, you right. know? And again, too, this is also the age where they will pick things up and they'll retain it more than you can even imagine. You can really start instilling these things in them now. And 
you know, it'll transfer over into later later parts of their life too. Now, you know, I I appreciate that, but working with uh, parents. I can I can imagine that you may get some pushback. I mean, do you? Well, I, not necessarily pushback. I have this is this has happened. I can literally dozens of times. I've had moms pull me aside after class and go, "Can you tell my husband about all this stuff?" <laughs> I, true story. True story. I cannot tell you how many times I've had that. I literally had that happen this past week, and the lady who said it was about sixty-five years old. Can you come and talk to my husband for me? <laughs> so, but you don't get a lot of pushback. Again, you know, I think that ninety-nine percent of parents out there, if you have a little boy, you would want as a mother, you would want your your son to grow up and 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 learn how to treat ladies in a proper fashion respect. and to be respectful to yes. them. And then on vice versa, if you have a daughter, listen, when she gets older and she has a guy that she's interested in and he's and not, he's do, not respectful. he's not doing those things for her. Then right. guess what? She's going to have already built an awareness and she'll know he's a Turkey <laughs> and she will move on and find somebody better. Okay. And you know, what's funny? I literally, I had a, uh, I had a group of parents that I did a presentation in front of and I told them a little bit about our program and I said, chivalry isn't dead. just isn't being taught anymore. And I had a standing ovation from about 80 people. Wow. It was, I was blown away by it. I was, like, wow, <laughs> I had no idea, but it really is. And, you know, you see kids these days, it's not the kid's fault. They just are not being taught these things anymore. It's a lost skill set that we're trying to bring back. And again, we just use the karate as a vehicle to try to build that. So so when you navigated into um, this area, did you? was there a specific reason why you chose this age range, Eric? I had... Uh, for a long time, I'd done the, you know, I had done dabbled in the work with the military and then I'd done some stuff with law enforcement and that kind of stuff. And I'd always worked in kids camps, like since I was in, you know, out of, right out of high school, I'd done kids camps during the summer. And it was hilarious because I don't know if it's my personality or what it is, but I would always get the quote unquote challenging kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a summer camp two years in a row where I literally had 30 kids that were five years old, oh, 30 of them. Wow. Now, I also had a counselor in training working with me, which was basically a seventh eight, or eighth grade kid that was trying to help me wrangle these <laughs> kids. But you know what's funny is by the end of the summer, I would literally have, quote unquote, every challenging kid because I ran mine like I gave them so much structure to work with. Mm -hmm. All right. Everybody stand in line like this. Do this, 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 and this, and this. And it's really amazing. What I found is that kids... They want the structure. They absolutely, they need it so badly because if you can give them the structure to work inside of, you can watch them flourish. When you give them way too many choices, guess what? They're bouncing off the walls all over the place and they have no clear direction. Exactly. They really have no clear direction. And I found, you know, through working through that bigger groups with the camps, mm -hmm. that it was also something that I really enjoyed doing. And, you know... I I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I've had a couple of people go, you're the dog whisperer of kids. <laughs> you really are like the dog whisperer of kids because I kind of get how they think and how they behave. And I can kind of jump into their energy, too, and I can get them to engage and, and kind of they kind of ride along the wave with me. So it's like us singing a song together, but we're doing physical action, but we're all still singing the same song. Yes. You know, it's a pretty cool thing, I think. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a true talent. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. I'll take that. Yeah. It is. Uh, I've been told that before, but it, it means even more coming from you because I've had your child. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he loves, it. he loves it. So when a child gets into your class or whomever you're training, how do you start off with, you know, encompassing the whole karate? Well, you know, 
again, a lot of the class that you'll see out of me, I, do, I, I basically do a lot of the structure is very similar. I give them a framework to work with. So we, we want to have consistency in the class. So I kind of have the same warm-ups and those kind of things we do. I have some funny jokes that I throw in to kind of get them in the groove. And, you know, once I've got them laughing and got them engaged, I can get them to do a lot of different stuff. Then we do a lot of physical motion, too. But then every single week, I always, I always mix in a, a specific word. We usually start off with respect. You know, what is respect talking to grown-ups the right way, especially your moms and dads, by saying yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And I had a really interesting incident. It's been about 15 years ago. I went back to Tennessee and visited my grandmother. I was basically raised by my grandparents. My dad and my mom are, are amazing. I have a great relationship with them, too. But my grandparents did a lot of the actual rearing. So I got like this 1950s upbringing <laughs> in the 90s, which let me tell you, viewers out there, it was not very fun. But it taught me some amazing lessons. And I remember going home and my I was at my grandmother's house. My dad was there, too. And my grandmother asked me, she said, honey, do you want to you want some tea? And I said, yeah. And I heard my dad yell from the other end into the house. Yes, ma'am. Oh. And I literally felt like a little kid again. And he came in the room after I got my tea and he pulled me off to the side and he said, son, if you won't show respect to your 72 year old grandmother, how are you going to re- show respect to people out there that you don't know right. and be pro- and treat them in a proper fashion? And it rung with me so much that to this day, I think about, you know, when I was teaching at a karate studio, I noticed that the kids would come on the mat. They would work out with us. They would say, yes, sir, no, sir, because it's a very traditional setting and that kind of stuff. They'd walk off the mat and then their parents would talk to them and they wouldn't say it. Mm. And it really bothered me. And it really bothered me. It made me realize the gap that's still kind of there because, right. again, the skill set's just being lost. Right. It's been lost in the shuffle over the years. And I, I, that's one of the things we're really trying to bring back. And You know, I was listening to uh, the radio uh, I think last week or so, I can't remember who it was, but there's a coach who said that he chooses to recruit athletes based on how they treat their mother. Oh, that's because he said if he's treating his mother poorly, he's not going to bring them to his team. Yeah. And wow. That's <laughs> that that, listen, it's pretty profound. It yeah. honestly is because it shows how you're going to beat other human beings. Oh, absolutely. And which I mean, again, I say that we're teaching karate. What are we really doing? We're teaching, we're teaching life skills to kids that they're going to get when they're this young Mm -hmm. and then they're going to keep rolling that into later on in their life until they can be compassionate and kind to other human beings that are around them. I mean, that's pretty priceless. Yeah. And when I was talking about how David wanted to open up the door for me and he said, Master Brian said to be a gentleman. And I just stood there and I was like, what is Master Brian teaching my son? (laughs) I need to find out more. (laughs) You know, I also take that as a compliment because I hear this all the time, too. Well, you could teach him all this stuff, but they're not going to really remember any of that. Wrong. They remember everything. They remember everything. 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 And for those parents who've accidentally <laughs> sworn in front of their kids, guess what? They remember that part too. They oh. absolutely remember all that stuff, know. you know? And so why can't we take a really positive thing and build it into them now where they're going to have that later on in life? Absolutely. I think it's so important. Oh. So, so important. Very much so. And again, having having those boundaries is is needed. Some people are like, oh, well, I don't want to discipline or this or that. But Whoa. a child does not know I'm t- the bound. I can honestly tell you, I've had a conversation with lots of parents and lots of teachers and that kind of stuff about this. I'll see, and this is not knocking parents at all. They may have a lot going on, but oh, they yeah. they bargain with their kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Your child is four years old. Guess what? You're the parent. <laughs> 
hey, guys, you get to decide what they do, not the other way around. And guess what? When you decide what they're going to do, it actually ends up better off for them in the long run. Right. It definitely does. Absolutely. It definitely does. I cannot stand the bargaining. You know, like uh, it was last year I had a mom came in. She came in to watch the class. And she says, it okay if I watch the class? I said, sure, but sometimes it can be a little distracting for the kids. Well, lo and behold, her daughter started acting up, got a little teary-eyed. She goes, I'm going to leave if you if you don't straighten up. She wouldn't straighten up. So guess what the mom did? She got up and left, and the kid came running toward the door, and the mom shut the door in her face. Wow. The kid cried for about five minutes, then we got her back in line. She did the rest of the class. Mom came back later, and she goes, I told her if she wasn't going to listen, then I was going to leave. <laughs> and I said, I've got to give you huge props on that little bit of tough love yeah. there. Because it, honestly, come yeah. on. Right, right. Come on. <laughs> you know, it's... it's it, in this day and age, there's too many things that, that yeah. they can do and all that other kind of stuff. And I just think it's much, much better if they've got if they've got a really clear framework to work inside Absolutely. of. This is ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack, and this is The Experience, speaking with Master Eric Bryant, black belt in everything. Everything. <laughs> we'll just say black belt in life. I like that one better. Oh, black yeah. belt in life. That I love that. See, I want to be a black belt in life, don't yes, you? Absolutely. Okay. So my son came home with a white belt. Can you please tell me how he got that white belt? Like what did he have to learn to get that? Well, in my program, what we try to do, because again, the kids are really young. We're talking three to five year old kids. What I try to do is I try to give them um they have a basic group of skills. We ba learn basic punch blocks and kicks, of course. And then we build in some other things with coordination, their leg strength and all that kind of stuff. And then just like in any other sport, if you were playing golf, you're going to work on your golf swing for the next 20 years mm -hmm. to try to refine it and make it better. Mm -hmm. And in boxing, there's five basic punches. But You see guys that can use their boxing skills in all these different ways, but it's still five basic punches. Jab, cross, hook, uppercut, overhand. You know, you got South the paw. <laughs> Left-handed fighter. There you go. <laughs> yeah. We just saw that movie the other oh, day. Oh, did you? Did oh you God. like it? I was on the couch crying. Yeah, it, made, it made me teary-eyed, too. Uh, it it like, made me, did you see Creed? No. It was surprisingly good. Oh. I was I was actually fairly impressed with Creed too. It was um Southpaw I liked. I like um Jake Gyllenhaal's a pretty good actor. Mm -hmm. And I liked his portrayal in that. Yes, me and, too. And I liked the connection with he and his daughter too. I thought that was pretty oh, yeah. interesting. Oh, as well. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, but the life of a, a, a fighter is harsh. Oh, definitely so. I mean, did you find it to be harsh? Yeah, and you know, I'm not going to say that I was a professional fighter or any of that kind of stuff, but I did do I did do a lot of competitive stuff and was at a pretty high level with it. Did you get beat down, Eric? Did, uh, you I have been knocked out pretty bad before, and oh, it's wow. not fun. I remember blinking, and I, I remember I got kicked in the head, blinked, and realized that I was laying on my back. And there was a guy standing over me, wow. and I had no recollection from the time that I got hit to opening my eyes and realizing that I was on my back. Wow. And then they stood me up and the guy said, how many fingers am I holding up? And I said, four. He goes, nope. <laughs> he was holding up two and I was seeing double. So that was one of the other reasons that, you know, at the time when I was coming up, there was some potential for me to do some cage fighting and some MMA stuff and all that. But honestly, I had some nagging injuries and a couple of other things and, you know, sometimes the universe does for you what you can't do for yourself. <laughs> yes. And luckily, it kind of steered me in a direction where I ended up being more on the 
teaching side of things versus the other side, because you see that now you're starting to see the concussion issues and all that other kind of stuff. I just saw the statistic. They did a hundred, they had a hundred ex NFL football players, a hundred of them that they had done um, brain studies on 100% with brain injuries mm-hmm. across the board. And I've got friends that were pro kickboxers and all that other kind of stuff. They're totally different people now, 10 years later than they were when they were younger. In what way? Well, a lot of times they'll forget where things are. That's one of the things I noticed the most. Where did I put my keys? I don't know where my keys are. Now, I'm not saying that you don't forget your keys. I forget my <laughs> I keys. All, scared yes, I forget my keys all the time, that kind of stuff. But you'll see they'll forget little things left and right. And it's like it's kind of a weird string of, of mm-hmm. those kind of little those kind of little incidences that you'll see out of them that you normally wouldn't. And then they'll have friends they've known for years and suddenly they can't remember their name. Yeah. You know, and then you remind them, oh, yeah, of course, I know who that is. But there's like this blank mm-hmm. for a second. So. <laughs> You know, and again, luckily, yes. I, t- I did take some concussions and that kind of stuff when I was younger. But I realized, you know, after through not being able to pursue it the way that I wanted to, yeah. it was a blessing in disguise. It really was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, I, what do you think about the industry now? Like, do you think there's more <sighs> safety? Or? I think that they're way more conscious about it than they have been in the past, especially in the NFL. They've got a lot more protocols now that they used to do. I mean, I can remember playing high school football and people getting their bell rung and they would still send you back in. <laughs> you know, hey, are you okay? Mm-hmm. You remember your name? You know what day it is? All right, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff doesn't really happen as much anymore. I'm sure it still does, but I think they're taking a lot more of the stuff in you know, into account. MMA also is a little bit different than boxing because in boxing you can get hurt and they'll give you a standing eight count. And that means you can stay on your feet, the referee will count to eight, and then you get to go back out there and slug it out some more. And there's a lot of fighters who've taken a standing eight count and they've already had a concussion by that time. Mm. Then they get to stand in there and they get pummeled in the head for another round and probably get knocked out in a dramatic fashion. And that's, you're talking about a concussion with a massive concussion, you know, attached mm-hmm. to it. And that's, I think that's super, super, super dangerous. Yeah. And then they're also having issues now with the guys who are cutting lots of weight. When you do a lot of weight cutting, it dehydrates the brain, oh, which right. leaves it, which leaves it very susceptible to injuries. Now they don't see it as much in the NFL because obviously the guys don't have to make weight and that kind of stuff. But in MMA, they're starting to change the rules. And I know in boxing, they've been a lot more conscious about, you know, how they're, how the guys are cutting weight and that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you put on the plastic? bag to I, when I wrestled water. yes yeah, yeah way back in the day in high school and it's it's funny you know I have to lose like a pound and we're in a there's six of us in some kind of like yep. dingy locker room in a bathroom with a heater on and I'm running for no reason in place where I probably just could have you know walked a few laps and gone right. in and weighed in on you know been fine I but. remember that there was this guy in wrestling and they had a tournament that day and he wasn't making weight, and all day he just ran around the gym oh. in that <laughs> that body bag. Yeah, know? can you imagine also too how your body feels when you go out there and you have to compete at a high level after that? Right, it's pretty crazy. It is crazy, but but people love it. Hey, listen, I think it's dynamic. I think it's a. I think that all the sports are amazing. I've always been a big boxing fan, so you know, boxing was. Uh, Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali, I think, is was one of the most amazing guys around. That's, sometimes that's controversial to people, but I think he was an amazing guy. Sugar Ray Robinson. I love a lot of the old boxing. I still go back and watch boxing footage. Mm-hmm. And I actually, um, for all the stuff that's been said about him, I really like Mike Tyson now. He has really dramatically changed his, his life around. I went and saw his spoken word show. Oh, yeah. And for your viewers who have not 
seen his spoken words. It is absolutely incredible. Yeah. It is incredible. I was really, really impressed by his spoken words show. And I've seen a lot of, of interviews with him now. You know, he's also vegan and like all these other, he's really mm-hmm. changed his life in a kind of a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find that being in martial arts was kind of like a religion? Well, <laughs> we, a good friend of mine and I talk about this all the time. The martial arts industry is a strange place. Oh, yeah. It is a bizarro world oftentimes <laughs> because people get, you know, you get to this, I'm a ninth degree black belt and you, people are so beholden to yes. you and those kind of things. And uh, it can be a strange world to be in and that kind of stuff. And yes, it can be very, I don't want to say cultish, but it, it can be quasi cultish, you know, yeah. in some ways Yeah, and that you'll. You'll believe whatever this guy says just because he knows certain more techniques than you. And I'm like, but he's kind of a crummy person. So I don't really know if I want to follow his life example, you know? You know, and that's the other thing too. You know, I really, I really try to now, I mean, I really try now to walk the walk and really the stuff that I do with the kids is really how I'm trying to live my life every day. My girlfriend, who is the most amazing woman on the face of the planet, she and I, when in the first month that we started dating, she said, I have never had anybody treat me so well. And I don't know if it's an act or not. <gasps> and I looked at her and I said, well, whether you think it's an act or not, it's going to happen all the time. <laughs> And so after a while, she obviously she obviously realized that it was genuine. But. No, I understand those exact words because, you know, my husband, I was like, oh, OK, two weeks. OK, three weeks. Let me see. OK, let's see if he's going to be this way two months from now. OK, but then it was six years. I was like, OK, he got. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got a good guy. one. There you he go. You got, a good one. you got a good one. He's a handsome devil, too. Come on. How much you? He just gave me the fist bump. Awesome. <laughs> no, but um, in in looking at people that you're going to train with, or don't you have to do your background? Check? You have to do the work to see if you're going to be with this person and learn these martial art skills. Don't don't you need to do your work to make sure that you're going to learn something and, you know. Well, I can tell you, honestly, early on, I had an experience with that. Um, when I first started my martial arts career, there was a couple of unsavory characters that I ran into. Now, you might not want to learn martial arts from your preacher, <laughs> but <laughs> these guys were very talented. But the way they lived their lives was just a disaster. And I was kind of like, well, I'm not really sure if that's the kind of influence I need. Mm-hmm. I have a great boxing coach right now. Big, big shout out to Nassim. I have an awesome boxing coach. And, um, man, he is the most positive, happy dude I've ever, I ever done. Hey, how you doing today? I'm blessed, man. Mm-hmm. I am so blessed. Mm-hmm. The sun's shining. I'm out. Those are the kind of people that you want to be around. Exactly. And also what you'll find is people who live their life like that and are also martial artists or doing any kind of thing. They're probably going to be experts at it because they'll put everything they've got into it in a really positive way, which is kind of how I feel about this too, right. you know, with the, with the way that I teach the kids. My brother, like, like I said, he does crop, crop. Krav Maga. <laughs> I did it on and off for about five years. Great system, by the way. I have nothing bad to say about Krav Maga. Why do, why do you like it so much? I felt like, um, A, it being from Israel, it's the hottest zone in the world. So you got a lot of guys that had a lot of practical experience on what worked mm-hmm. and what didn't work and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that really made them great 
was they have a very systematic approach in how they teach their curriculum. It's very well laid out, very, very well laid out. Um, I worked on and off with Krav Maga Worldwide for a long time. They're out here in L.A. Their national training centers here. Yeah. Also worked with the guys from Kapop, Avi Nardio and Albert Timmon. Um, they were Kapop? Yeah, that's what they um, – the Israeli Special Forces and the anti-terrorist units, they've used some of the Kapop stuff. It's very similar to Krav in some ways, but then different in other ways in some of their, their military tactics and that kind of stuff. Mm. Just depends on what they're actually working it for, mm-hmm. like – they had scenarios where you're on planes and stuff like that, oh, and, you know, okay. so they, that was, some of it was geared more toward those things. And then some of the crowd was geared more toward the civilian side of things. Yeah. But I think crowd's an amazing system. I really have nothing bad to say about it. I thought it was a great experience for me. I really enjoyed all the instructors, especially in Los Angeles. I mean, you got the cream of the crop of instructors yeah. out here. Right. Jarrett Wallman's a great guy. He was one of the guys who ran um, one of the big craft centers here and uh, Kevin Lewis and some other friends of mine right. too. My brother came out here to get his, his cert. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's a great place to be. Really yeah. And they don't take, take everyone. No, they don't. And they're very, and, and that's the other thing too. I liked about them. They were very stringent. Like if you do a belt test and you don't know all the stuff, they will not pass you. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, Hey, that's pretty cool because a lot of places they want, they just want your money. And the other thing that I loved about them, the belt tests weren't exorbitantly expensive because you get to these, some places where, hey, I've got a kid who's going to test for his black belt. It's 1500 bucks. Really? Oh, yes. That's all over the place. Or, hey, I've got a kid testing for his yellow belt. 60 bucks. Orange belt, $80. <laughs> Let's give him a stripe. $95. I'm like, come on, guys. Come on. You know, I yeah. think that's kind of ridiculous. That's that's kind of the money making, the business side of it. And I get it. I get the I understand that, but I don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. And I felt like the Krav guys had a had a had a um a very genuine way that they did that kind of yeah. stuff. My brother was trying to get me into um well, he was teaching a group of women self defense techniques and mm-hmm. he's like, Yeah, you should get in Krav, right? So <laughs> when I'm I was at his house and then I come up behind him, I tap him on the shoulder and he turns around quickly and then i'm like halfway down with his <laughs> <laughs> my arm is in his hands and i'm like oh and Would he, you, you know oddly when i worked with a lot of the when i did the stuff with the, with the marines um because of the kind of units that i was working with they had a lot of women in them and uh one and i'm krav in general i think is great for almost everybody but i will say one of the problems that martial arts has had for a long time is they try to teach a woman who weighs 125 pounds how to fight like a guy mm. who's six foot one and weighs 220. I'm sorry, you can't take somebody who's terrified and has got somebody way bigger than them, tell them to ball their fist up like a boxer and punch them in the face, hope you hit them in the right spot and maybe knock them out. Yeah. That just doesn't work. So you have to have a lot of different tactics that you're yeah. working with women. Yeah, my brother told me to, if anyone grabs me from the neck, Go up and out. Up yeah. and out. <laughs> <laughs> well, the main thing, I, you know, one of the things that I try to do, especially I've done a lot of women's self-defense seminars, too. One of the first things we do is we get them using their voice a lot and their awareness levels. So for your viewers out there, one of the things that I always teach is the grocery store game. And it's something you could do all Aaron, the time. What is the grocery store game? Let me tell game? you what the grocery store <laughs> game is. When you're at the grocery store, everybody out there listening, when you're at the grocery store, you're walking along with your grocery cart. Okay. You're getting stuff off the shelves. I want you to watch the people who pass by you. And if you can see clearly the labels that they're pulling things off the shelf, then guess what? You're building an awareness of where their hands are and what they're doing with them. 
And it's hands that end up hurting you because hands can pick up things and hit you with it. Hands can grab you, all those other kind of things. So you start building this awareness around you. And it's kind of like, again, it's that bubble that you kind of put out around you Mm -hmm. that keeps you safe. And so hopefully you can avoid a situation before it ever happens. Yeah, avoid it before it happens. I taught a senior citizens class. And honestly, for the the youngest person I had in the class was 71 years old. The oldest was 86. They were the sweetest people I've ever seen. But self-defense for a senior citizen, I mean, honestly, do you think I'm going to be able to tell them to punch somebody in the face or do any of that? That doesn't work. But what I can tell them to do is, hey, guess what? There's a guy 25 feet away and look at what he's doing with his hands. It looks a little suspicious. Maybe you should turn around and go the other way. Same thing. Same thing with, you know, with women and all those, all those different kind of things. I try to build that awareness. And the other thing I try to do is I try to make sure that they're using their voice really loud. You're... Awareness and then your voice are your first two lines of defense. Because if you have somebody walking towards you, they look like they have bad intentions, you throw your hands up, you say stop, get back, and you're yelling at them. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Everybody starts looking at you like you're the crazy loon in the crowd. Well, so what if they think you're the crazy loon in the crowd if the guy's looking at you and has bad intentions? Oh, my goodness. So I had on... Benny the Jet Yerkitis. Oh, he's amazing. I trained at his gym for a oh, little while. Too. Yeah, he's an ah. amazing guy. Yeah, my brother-in-law trained with him. And you trained with him too, right? Bob? Oh, did you really? A little bit. Oh, he's one of the best kickboxers in the world yes. ever. He's amazing. And he's an incredible guy too. Yes, incredible. incredible guy. So he was talking about how he senses the energy of people. Yep. And there was this one guy walking toward him and he could just tell his energy was bad. Mm-hmm. Before he even reached the halfway point, he did exactly what you did. It said to do is that what do you want? And it just stopped the guy right in his track. Yeah, totally. Right there and just busted that energy. And and listen, I, for everybody listening out there too, if you don't think that you have a sixth sense, trust me, you do. Everybody's had that time in their life where their hair stood up on the back of their mm-hmm. neck. Or they've had that feeling in the pit of their stomach like, whoa, something's off. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know something's off. And then a couple seconds later, something goes down. It's the exact same thing. You'll feel and sense those things. And I don't know if that's something that happened evolutionarily, like back in the day. because <laughs> Survival. Yeah, it's it's a survival instinct. And yeah. you, you know when they had the tsunamis in Thailand? You know they had elephants that were in the zoo that broke out of their chains, jumped over walls, and ran out into the jungle like two hours before the tsunamis came wow, in. They had animals leaving in mass because they could sense that something was going on. I think people definitely have that sense. I also think it can be cultivated a little bit more by using more and more awareness mm-hmm. around you. The more aware you are of things, the more you more you'll pick up on things. So what was interesting in what you're saying is that like I I value like my surroundings. Like so I say, oh that person was there yesterday standing on that corner. Yep. But I never took it to like the details that you wear their hands. It's just always in ob- observing where people are and knowing, okay, yeah, that guy has on a green t-shirt and black pants. Well, here's the other thing. And this is one of the things that you can do all the time. And I think everybody should do. Anytime you walk in a place, look at all the exits. I know I can go out this door, go down and go right. And that's the main exit that we walked in the door. But I also know if I had to, I could probably pick up a chair and throw it through this glass and jump out as a secondary exit if I had to. (laughs) If I had to. If you had to. So what we do is we look for primary. And again, this is part of the self-defense part. You look for primary exits, which are doors, that kind of stuff that you could get out exits, all that kind of stuff. Secondary would be something that you might have to go through like a window or something like that. Anytime I walk into a room, I always look and see where the exits are. And again, 
This is the awareness that we talk about building that's real Mm self-defense. Real self-defense is not ever being in the altercation. (laughs) It's really or not ever being in the bad, bad spot. And for, you know, also one of the things I really talk to women about is the worst possible thing that can happen is a change of locations. If somebody gets you and brandishes some sort of weapon, get in the car. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to get you somewhere else where nobody's going to hear, nobody's going to be around. They've statistically done a study. The statistics are your chances of survival go down by 80%. 80% if you change locations. Yeah, my brother always says, don't get in the car. Whatever you do, do not. Yell, scream, kick, punch, stab. Not to be a a huge downer, Ted Bundy, the serial killer. Um, One of the reasons that he got caught later on is he'd attacked a woman. She fought like crazy. He actually hit her in the head with a tire iron. She got away and was one of the primary people who later on identified him as the attacker. Wow. And it's because she fought and all that other kind of stuff. And later on, they had talked to him. And and one of the things that he said is a lot of times the women didn't even fight back. But don't you think that there's a mindset that, oh, I, I'm, I'm a woman. I don't have the strength that a man has or, um, I, I don't know. Like, well, I, I, I think you, I think we all have this innate sense of strength. I think, I absolutely think you do. And I think that's something that can be cultivated. I think, I hate to say it, but I think sometimes there's a societal thing that is kind of given women, yeah, the, that's, that, that, that's kind of given women the impression that, Hey, I'm supposed to be kind of meek and all that. That's a bunch of garbage. Yeah. It's a bunch of garbage. Um, I really do believe, and again, having done seminars with lots of women, I have seminars, and one of the first things I do, I want them yelling and screaming, stop, get back, stay away from me, all that kind of stuff. And then you'll have one or two that in front of a bunch of women don't want to say that, and they don't want to be loud with their voice. Well, guess what? If you're not willing to do it in here, when somebody really does do mm-hmm. this, or if you're in a really bad situation later on, it's going to be hard for you to pull that part out. Oh, yeah. But everybody's got that inside, and I do believe, man... This day and age, any day and age, women are powerful <laughs> oh, and, yes. str- and and strong. We rock, we rock. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, when I was when I was growing up, you know, my dad was like, "Okay, put your keys in between your fingers at night when you're walking." Yeah. I always do that, like walking to the car. That's, I'm like, I'm ready, I'm ready. <laughs> that is absolutely one of the other things I always talk about. You should always have your keys in your hand, and I see this all the time. It drives me crazy. Hey, I'm walking along texting. I have no idea what's going on around me. Or I'm talking to my phone and yada, yada, yada. I try not to ever walk to the car with my phone on. I always try to keep my keys in my hand. I was working in downtown Nashville and it was 2000, I believe. And um, at the time I I was working at a bar downtown, it was about four o'clock in the morning. I walked out of a bar shift and usually all the bartenders, we all walked out together. At that, that night we didn't and I'd parked two blocks away and I had to walk underneath a bridge and there was a homeless camp underneath the bridge. Now that bridge is now gone because they had a tornado that came through Nashville, uh, but I was walking back to my car and I had three guys chase me and I had money in my pocket. They, one of them said something to me and I immediately, I did Nike foo. I took <laughs> off running and they were on me. I mean, they were really running, but I had my keys in my hand. I did have my keys in my hand. I ran, 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 ran. I got far enough out in front of them. I literally, and it was magical. I put my hand out and it went, immediately went in the lock. Click, click, unlocked, jumped in, locked the door. And one of the guys hit the window. Oh my. And I started gosh. up my truck and boom, was out of there. 
Wow. But but it, that's a real scenario, and that can happen all the time. That's why you should always have your keys in your hand when you're going someplace. This is another big one that I see. You go to the grocery store, especially if you have kids out there. You have all your groceries in your basket. You put your kid in the car seat, and then you go to unload your groceries. If you get carjacked, guess what happened? Your kid's in the car. That happens all Your kid's in the car. Yeah. yeah, your kid's in the car gone. Leave your kid in the – make sure that your shopping cart's not going to roll out in the middle of everywhere. <laughs> Keep your kid close to you first mm-hmm. before you put them in the car. Unload your groceries first. Put your kid in last because they, there is some tricky stuff that can happen. In worst-case scenario, you get carjacked, your kid's gone too. I'd be more concerned about that than it would be your, you know, your car, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know. And again, for those of you listening out there, don't leave your kid in a car on a <laughs> on a ninety degree incline. <laughs> be careful with that stuff. But let's, I mean, again, we talk about all the awareness that we're trying to build here. These are little tiny things. Watching people's hands, having your keys available, not talking on your phone, having your head up on a swivel and making sure you know what's going on around you, all mm-hmm. those kind of things, too. When I was driving down uh, uh, Pico Boulevard uh, on the west side, yeah, uh, it was early in the morning, and I saw this guy walking across the street on his cell phone. I was like, that's odd. And then I was looking around, and don't you know that dude was like a plant? To see if people were going to stop. Really? Yeah. And some some people didn't stop. And here comes the cops. Wow. Giving them a ticket. But I was like, it was so out of place. He was like uh, Mr. Bravado walking across the street with his cell phone. I had a friend of mine who was walking his dog. And he told me this. He came back to the house. I happened to be at the house the day that this happened. He was walking his dog. He was a DJ. He listened to a lot of electronic music. So he had headphones on. He was like crazy loud. He was going like this. He was walking with the dog, and suddenly the dog stopped, oh. and he looked up, and a car went boom and almost hit him. He said he literally was about to step off the curb, and the dog stopped, and that was the only reason that he did not get smashed by the car. He said he looked up. There was two guys across the street waving their hands oh. at him, yelling at him, trying to get him to stop. That is, and crazy. he was not paying attention at all. He came back. He was really shaken up. He like had the shakes, had a huge adrenaline dump, all that stuff. But yeah. again, you have to be aware. Oh of my your goodness! Surroundings. Yes, be aware of what's going on around you all the time. Head on the swivel. We call it the Z rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Do they even have a Z rocks anymore? That's the copiers. Zing zing. I just took it straight back to 1978 right there. Just dated myself. Please pass the fax machine. Please. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh! I got called out in the CVS the other day. I was like. You know those sample items on the shelf that used to be 99 cents? Yeah. They're like $3 now for that little tiny bottle of like lotion or something. Oh. And I went up to the, the travel size one? Yeah, the travel size. Oh, that's ridiculous. $3. And I went up to the cash register guy and I was like, man, I remember when these things were 99 cents. He goes, yeah, well, back in my day. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm that woman. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I live. <laughs> I was the uh, the other day. I needed some Q-tips, and I was like, "Well, I don't want to buy 400 Q-tips. I'll go buy the little pack. It was two dollars for 30 of them, but I could buy 400 for five bucks." I was like, "Well, I guess I'm getting the I'm guess I'm getting 400 Q-tips. I'll be good for the next 15 years when the zombie apocalypse comes. I'll have clean ears. Awesome, awesome." <laughs> yeah, but it's I mean, it's all about awareness, and I I love your philosophy of like you know just avoid the situation. Yeah. 
110%. I heard, um, you know, Bo Jackson. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I heard him talk one time. He said, um, my grandmother used to say to me, if, if I see trouble coming down the street, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cross the street and go down two blocks and go down another street. That's really the philosophy that you should live by, especially self-defense wise. I get it. Bad stuff does happen. But here's the other thing, too. I honestly believe it sounds kind of woo woo and it might sound a little crazy, but I believe that the more awareness that you build, the more the way that you carry yourself, all that kind of stuff. And the, the more that you really notice things, going, it's almost like you put out this wave in front of you yes. that protects you. And you'll uh, honest to God, most of the time you will never be in the wrong mm. spot at the wrong time. Yeah. That's the, I mean, it really, there really is something to be said for that because you'll pick up on little things that are linking a chain way before you get to the bad, bad spot. Right. And if we can figure out a way to break some of those links in the chain, then you're never going to end up in the spot that you'd never wanted to be. Yeah. In. That's what, uh, what Benny the Jet was talking about, yeah. about the whole energy of a martial art, you know, professional. And that guy is, he really does walk the walk too. He's an amazing guy, an incredible person. Yeah. I have mad, mad props for that yeah. guy. Um, he was talking about it's all about the energy mm -hmm. and, you know, you, you can push people off by, by, totally. that, you know, so. you know, uh, several years ago I had a back injury and I went to the only guy in Nashville that was doing acupuncture at the time. This is in the nineties. <laughs> the only guy. He was the, literally the only guy. My mom was. He a, had my, vision. <laughs> yeah. My mom was a nurse and, uh, she did a lot of these alternative health like seminars. Mm -hmm. And this guy, Omar Jute was, was the guy who was doing acupuncture in Nashville at the time. So I went and saw him and, um, he also was, was a Kung Fu guy. So we had something else in common. So we started talking about Kung Fu and all this other kind of stuff. I asked him, I said, well, how'd you get into acupuncture? He said, well, I went to China and I studied there. And I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. Who'd you, did you study at an institute and that kind of stuff? He's like, well, yeah, I did. But you know, the lady that I studied from was a blind woman who could tell you how tall you were and how much you weighed if she stood within five feet of you. Wow. And, and he's like, she was amazingly accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Amazingly accurate. So there is something to be said about an energy field, yeah. you know, that kind of goes on around your body. I don't know if you've ever seen, um, uh, I think it's, is it I am? It's, um, it's about a director. He was the guy who directed Ace Ventura and, um, a couple other big movies out here. He ended up with a bad concussion and he kind of went back and re, like reevaluated his life because he'd been very materialistic and all that other kind of stuff. So he started seeing, well, maybe I'm kind of, maybe I've kind of missed the boat with the way I'm living my life. And I realized by having this big health scare, cause he had a concussion injury that was really bad for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in this documentary, they go to this place called the Heart Math Institute. And they now, they literally have scientifically proven that you've put out a magnetic field that radiates out from your body. And there's some, I, I think that honestly, some people can pick up on that when people oh, yeah. talk about the woo energy part. <laughs> no. Maybe it's that. No, I mean, you, maybe you that. have it. You have it. Cause <laughs> when I saw you, I was like, I was like, Oh wow. Oh my gosh. That's master Bryant. <laughs> and I went home and I was like, I just saw master Bryant. He's a happy guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I decided a long time ago that every day was going to be a good day. Uh, yeah. I just, the Zig Ziglar. I love, you know, I listen to a lot of motivational speakers and that kind of stuff. I'm not going to lie. And I, you, some of the rah rahs great. I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins, all that stuff. But honestly, you have to make a decision. I told my buddy, I do this every morning. This is the best day ever. Mm -hmm. This is the best. Day. I get in my car. I get in the shower. It's the best day ever. It's the best day ever. The best day ever. And then you know what? I get to go out. I get to work with these little, tiny, amazing human <laughs> beings that can be so frustrating, but so cool at yes. the same time. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I have a ball with them. I really do. I have so much fun. And I'm so lucky because I get to teach martial arts for a living. Yeah. You know, even though it's not 
necessarily the, the age group that I thought I was going to work with and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You know, I thought I'd be the police and military guy, but I got to do some of that too. But now I've found this is so rewarding for me. It really is because I really feel like what we're doing is we are really, really trying to build and bring back these things that have just been lost in this day and age. Yes. And I was looking at um, statistics on childhood obesity and all these other things. God, it is the rates have tripled since the 1970s, mm-hmm. tripled. Three million kids a year in the U.S., childhood obesity. I'm like, wow. And you look at kind of what's going on, and I love technology, but my goodness. I mean, in our day and age, I know my grandparents, hey, you go out and play in the yard. Mm -hmm. I mean, for hours on end, (laughs) I'd come dragging back inside. And I've also drank off many a hose pipe outside. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the worst tasting water at the time. But, oh, my goodness, it it was refreshing. (laughs) So refreshing with that plastic-esque taste. (laughs) But, you know, we burned off a lot of our energy that way. And then, you know, nowadays, because of the technology, like I've got a nephew who's seven years old man he loves the ipads all that other kind of stuff constantly non-stop that 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 and so you got a lot of physical activity i was looking at you know the statistics and then what the internet was saying the reasons for you know why kids or why the obesity rates are so crazy one of the things they mentioned was the lack of physical activity and also the availability of crummy food mm-hmm. i mean fast food all over the place because everybody's such in such a hurry and everybody's moving so fast these days you know you gotta feed, feed a fast give them this mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. All the sugar, all that other junk that's yeah. going in. I had a Surgeon General on uh, my show like, years ago, and it, it didn't dawn on me that not every community has access to fresh fruit, oh, fruits I and know. vegetables. They have wow. access to the convenience stores, right. but not walking distance to a grocery store. You know what's also amazing to me? One of my instructors was in Pakistan, and he and I talked about this before, too. In the United States, the United States is the only country in the world, literally the only country in the world, where the cheapest food that you can get is the crummiest food. Mm. If you go other places in the world, everybody's eating rice and vegetables, which is extremely, extremely cheap. And the other stuff that you would get, the sugary, all that other is way more expensive. But here it's the exact opposite. And so, you know, like to eat healthier here is a lot. Sometimes it can be a little bit pricey. There's a lot of ways to get around that now. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, we've, I do a mainly plant-based thing for me because I feel like I, I feel like it's been the best thing for my health overall. Um, and my girlfriend's also, has also really kind of show me the light as far as how it would make me feel and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff too. But you know, for kids these days, I look at the amount of sugar that they take in and it is just unbelievable. 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 Everything has sugar in it or some kind of artificial sweetener. Yes. I'm just like, wow, it's that like is amazing. Stuff your body can't process. <laughs> yeah, totally. And you know, it's funny when I was growing up. We we got Coca Cola one day a week. It was on Saturdays when we had hamburgers. We had a hamburger Saturday at my grandparents' house, and my grandmother would go one buy one six pack of cokes, and she kept it in this closet hidden away from us. And on Saturday, hamburger Saturday, we'd have a glass of ice, and my cousin and I would get one glass of Coke, and that was it. And back then they favored it. Yeah, oh, it was amazing. It was like the biggest treat ever. And you know, back then we also now I'm not going to talk about the sweet tea that we drank lots of, uh, which was amazing, which had enough white sugar that you could feel every cavity that you had. It was a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing, sweet tea. Yeah. For those of you in Los Angeles who've never had sweet tea, if you go anywhere in the South, it is amazing. It's delicious. It's like syrup. (laughs) Syrup. Syrup in the mouth. It's awesome. It is. But now it's like, okay, well, 
like my son, I, we said, okay, he's not going to have any sodas or whatever. Yeah, it's really great. So one one day, um, I gave him a sip of this ginger ale, and he was like, oh, can I have some more? And I was like, you know what? No, no, no more ginger ale. You are a wise woman. You really are. Yes. You know, too, that's the other thing. Like, it's amazing the mechanisms that happen in your body because, like, some of this stuff is, like, Sugar is very, very addictive. Kids eat sweets. Kids eat stuff that has sugar, and they don't even know it has sugar. Yogurt's got I mean, if you look at a lot of the yogurts and stuff, out there, tons of sugar. Chocolate milk. Oh, my goodness. I was just talking to somebody about chocolate milk. It's like 40 grams of sugar in chocolate milk. Do now, you? don't quote me directly on that, but I know that there's a lot of grams of sugar in chocolate milk. Hey, milk in general has a lot of sugar in it, too. I mean, you got, I mean it's it's pretty mind-blowing, but when you, when you stack that onto... There's just so many other things that are processed and readily available and all that other kind of stuff. You know, it used to be back in the day that, you know, there was a lot more home-cooked meals going on. I'm not saying that people don't still do that, but some people just don't have time for right. it. And I get that. I, I totally understand that. But the availability of crummy food is just so in your face yes. and so everywhere, you yes. know. It always makes me smile when I go in and I see, I, a lot of times I watch the kids open up their lunches and that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, you've got 850 grams of sugar in your lunch. <laughs> and then I see the one quote unquote strange child in the corner who's got strawberries and like a banana and like, oh, he's got celery sticks and he's bummed because his kids, because his friends have Teddy grams, yeah. you know, I'm like, but you know, it's, it, it, it's amazing to, if, if. For the parents out there, if you can be slightly more conscious, just a little bit more conscious about the lunches that you pack, that's one of the best places to start with kids of changing the way that they eat and their yeah. taste buds and all that other because kind of stuff, too. Because it is of body, mind, and soul. Oh, absolutely. Especially in karate. In karate. In, <laughs> karate. Are you sick of me saying it like that? No, karate. I love it. I think it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. My husband just walked down the hall. I'm like, where is he going? Anyway. Well, your child's in there playing with dynamite sticks <laughs> right now, so I'm not sure how this is going to go. <laughs> so, Eric, you've provided a lot of great useful tips, especially, you know, self-defense for adults and stuff. Do you have any tips you can share for parents out there that would like to get their kids into a program? This is one of the things I talk to a lot of parents about because they ask me, my program's really designed. What I try to do is I try to get them ready to go into a regular karate studio because we're on site at the schools. Mm -hmm. I teach in the schools themselves. So I give them a basic skill set and then mm -hmm. we send them out to other studios and stuff like that to continue on with it. At the age they usually walk into most of the karate studios coming for me, they're probably five or six years old. I wouldn't worry so much about the style because a lot of people are like, well, I want my kid to do jujitsu or I want my kid to do taekwondo or any, I want him to be, you know, kickboxing and striking or I want him to be grappling and all that other kind of stuff. I think, I mean, and again, this is just my opinion. I think you find the instructor that your child jives with. Mm -hmm. Find the place where your kid's going to be laughing. And let me tell you this, I played piano since I was a kid and I had a really great piano teacher that made me excited and made me laugh and all that other kind of stuff for the first four years I did piano. She was amazing. I was so excited about doing it. And then she moved out of town and I got another piano teacher who was old and crotchety and she was not nice. And guess what? I did not want to play piano after mm -hmm. that. It's the same thing with, with martial arts. You got to find somebody that your kids are really going to have fun and be engaging because the more fun they're having, the more engaged, the more likely they're going to want to continue on with it. And there's so many different activities that kids can do these days. Mm -hmm. You know, there really is. And again, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of gymnastics. I think it's a great 
base to work with kids. But I also think that martial arts gives them another a kind of a different feel on things just because of the, the routine and the discipline and some of those other things as well. So you say that you're particularly in just schools. So kids balance karate. Kid balanced kids. with E-D, B-A-L-A-N-C-E-D. There's the Southern in me coming out. Yeah. <laughs> KidBalancedKarate.com. You can you can check out our website. We keep everything really simple. So our website is nothing super impressive. The teaching is super the, impressive. The, right. <laughs> yeah. the teaching is super impressive. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say too, you know, one of the things that I've been working on, I'm working on two books right now. Um, one of them because I've had, I know this sounds hilarious, but you know, I told you that I've had so many women come to me like, can you talk to my husband about this stuff? So I'm writing a book and it's very short on how to be a modern day gentleman. Oh. It's called Chivalry Isn't Dead. This isn't being taught anymore. Cool. And so that's coming out. We're also going to have a kid's version of that coming out, too. Awesome. So, awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And Mr. Eric Bryant, the Black Belt of Life. <laughs> I would like to think <laughs> I'm the Black Belt of Life. <laughs> it's been a joy. Thank you. Again. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm Laferne Cusack. Thank you so much for tuning in. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com or check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack. Thanks again. See you next week here on ESPN LA 710. ESPN LA 710.